Okay, <laughs> Alexandra Daddario, Alicia no. Silverstone, no, April Bowlby, definitely not. Carrie Jones, what? I don't know who that is. Oh no, he played uh, the the not Chewbacca, but the other guy, little Chewbacca Ooh, from the bigger Chewbacca. from the Christmas Black Whatever. Sertan. Anyway, Chris Sarandon, already got it. Christina V, don't know who that is. Dana Wheeler, Nicholson, that's not working. That that working. No. Okay, Daniel Logan, nope. Oh, he was uh, Boba Fett. He was little Boba Fett. Oh, that's awesome. Nope. Yeah, no, Daryl Mitchell. Don't know him. Don't know him either. Denise Crosby. I, I know them, but I'm Denise I'm, Crosby, Tasha Yar? I know that and, and even more important Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Hello. Dermot Mulroney? Uh, I wouldn't pay to Yeah. Uh, to Don have a Don Bluth. Okay. Don Bluth getting uh-huh. closer. It's uh-huh. getting cl- how much is Don Bluth? Eighty bucks. Too much. Eight uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, Showgirls. I, that, Come on. That, okay. We'll yeah, throw in a lap dance. Especially no. I'll, yeah, no. In no. fact, I'll pay yeah. you not to not to not do that. that have yeah. Okay, uh, I guarantee you have one of these two. There's some, there's some anime people there. Erica oh, just Harlocker, skip all of that. Erica Schroeder. Okay, yeah. Gates McFadden. Uh, very cool. How much? Seventy. Mm. Mm. Genevieve Padalecki. Nope. Uh, Grant Gustin. I think he played the Flash. I think. <laughs> I don't watch that DC shit. <laughs> I'm gonna skip a few of them. I don't even know who they are. Uh, Jamie Kennedy. How much? Seventy dollars. Mm. The Weasley twins. No, definitely. no, no. Jared Padalecki from Supernatural, hundred and sixty dollars. How, how sold many, out on Saturday? How many fucking Padaleckis are there? Two of them. Him and his wife. All of them. That's all of them. All the Padaleckis. Jed Rees, the 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 guy from uh uh uh. Um, Roman Empire, Fall of Rome. <laughs> you, you struck your chest and then put it out there. Is, is he a Galaxy black, Quest? Is he a Black Panther? Galaxy Quest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Joel McHale, seventy bucks. Uh-huh. Getting closer. John Glover, but I still would voice actor. No, John, John Rice Glover. Davies. No, John Rice Davies. John Rice Davies. That's pretty cool. How Katie. much? Mm. Oh, this one. This one's a hot ticket. Katie Sackoff. I've never twenty bucks. Never, never did much for. Me. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I think good. you can press stop right now. You can just close up shop. <laughs> Mark Paul Gossely. Gosselor. <laughs> okay. You know who that is, right? Uh, not the way Save, you said it. Saved by the Wait. bell. Oh, he pronounced it the way you would. <laughs> Mark Paul <laughs> from Saved by the Bell. Uh, never watched Saved by the Bell. Hold on. Hold on. Record scratch. You've never watched Saved by the Bell? It's a sitcom. Not, by, not interested. Oh, no sad. musical numbers. Yeah. There's no musical numbers to it. I need. If I'm going to have some teenage melodrama, I need drama, not comedy. Oh, so let me guess. The one from Canada. Degrassi. 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 Yeah, I, I figured. Uh, Nev Campbell? 80 bucks. Yeah. Pauly Shore? There you go. <laughs> the weasel himself? The weasel. 60 bucks. I saw him just sixty. I saw him just tooling around downtown like a few months ago. What the hell? <laughs> oh, there, there's a bunch. There's a lot of other people here too. I'm not gonna go through them all. <laughs> oh no, I'm not gonna do this right now. <laughs> Silliness. Wow. Oh wait, there's one. Rose, Rose McGowan. <laughs> no? No, 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 no. How much though? I, I don't know. What about Ruby Rose? It was, it was she part, there? No, and she was part of a, a group. What's the group? Scream. 
Oh. Oh, Scream? I, yeah. thought, I thought she was with Robert Rodriguez. Oh, wait, they're not together anymore, are they? I not, don't know. Not, I don't not Doom Generation? That's not the no. Doom Generation photograph? Wow, dude. <laughs> That's some old shit. <laughs> wow. I hate that movie. Oh, God. Welcome, folks, to Game Shock number 695. I am Master Torgo. Commander K and Vlar, and we're here to talk weekend geek. Uh, Barry is going down the list of what's what's the con called? Fan X Salt Lake. Fan X Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. When does that take place? That takes place September twenty first to twenty third, and Geek Shock will be there. Uh, right, and uh, you won't have to pay big bucks to take our picture. Just little bucks, little bucks, itty bitty bucks, <laughs> really nothing. <laughs> Buck will pay you. So tell, tell us about FanX. FanX Salt Lake is a pop culture comic convention. It's like 140,000 people going to be there. It's about as big as like San Diego Comic-Con. It's ginormous. It's crazy. It takes place on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which is interesting. Um, no, it's not. No, that's a proper con. It's Utah. Uh, Utah. Of course not. There's nothing on Sunday. Oh, yeah. You could throw a rock and hit the tabernacle. I wouldn't throw that rock, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> what he means is the convention center is that close. Yeah, it's right yeah. across from the, from the tabernacle. What's um, it called? The, the Salt Lick? The Salt Palace. The Salt oh. Lick. <laughs> salt Palace. I would, I would love to hold a convention at the Salt Lick in yeah. uh, uh, Driftwood, that uh, sounds Texas. Like a dive, that sounds like a dive bar that belongs to the Barry Rob Consortium of Dive Bar. <laughs> Dude. The Salt Lick? The Do salt not lick. front on the Salt Lick in Driftwood. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> I will stab you. <laughs> I, for one, am waiting to see how close we get to uh, the Mormon temple before Barry bursts into, into flames. flames. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I know, know which are going to burst into flames first, <laughs> the temple or Barry. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is if the if someone like me goes in there, you know, non-Mormon, I think they change the carpets. I'm not even kidding. I think that's the truth. I don't know. I Conjecture, sure. Yeah. They, well, they just, change the carpet, scrub the walls. Uh, re-wallpaper exercise the kill demons. everyone who saw it happen yes. yeah yes yeah. no traces so we're gonna have a booth there and we're gonna be hey, spinning the wheel of fun so the if you missed it at the las vegas comic-con which was most of you <laughs> and you just happen to be in the salt lake area during that time hey yeah. some come, of us will be there come spin the wheel it's a free spin it's a free spin and you get to win fabulous prizes all prizes s- not guaranteed to be all guaranteed. sorts of fabulous not so much yeah yep Good fun. Maybe you'll that's get the right. shame spot. That's, and, the, that's the best. Yeah. And so and if you listen to this and you forget, don't worry. We'll remind you next week. We will. You can check out our Instagram. You can see pictures of the last one because I really haven't posted much since then. Oh, Because we're an audio show, <laughs> not a video one. <laughs> but that's where we're going to be in September 21st to 23rd. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking shit about celebrities. Oh, it, boy. It's one of those cons. It's, it's the cons where... The fans meet the celebrities and pay a lot of money to do so. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of also a, a large dealer room with lots of stuff to buy. Smaller celebrities to meet. Most of it's lots a dealer of- room. There's like 800 exhibitors on this thing and uh, a pass to get in for three days is just 50 bucks. A lot of Etsy people. There are a lot of Etsy people. A lot of shopping, a lot of cosplay, a lot of anime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something for everybody. I forget what the latest fan expo was just recently. Where what I I, I forget where like, but it's, there it's was convention season dude they're all over yeah the but there was uh, I think it was in Connecticut uh, was it no. of course it was it's everywhere literally everywhere I'm trying to say <laughs> that a number of Star Trek celebs posted a selfie of themselves thanking the expo to 
you know, say that they they really enjoy Fan Expo precisely because it's about meeting the fans as opposed to running around from panel to panel and then doing your your picture photo op, and then that's it. <clears throat> I'm glad they were happy about it. Fanex is a big deal. They actually have other events like the Tampa Bay Comic Con, the Indiana Comic Con, ATL. Stay, stay away from the Indiana Comic Con. Yeah, it's not good. Well, it's in Indiana. Of course, it's not good. Well, okay, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. Gen Con's in Indiana. Well, mm. that's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Indiana Comic Con is not their fault. That's why we need to stay away from them. What? What? What position? I'm just saying, stay what out the of fuck Indi- are you? Don't let Gen Con fool you that Indiana is a decent place to go. <laughs> It isn't, so don't. What? That's good red country. The only thing good in Indiana is Jake. There you go. <laughs> don't what? let it get to his head. What? No Mike Pence? Uh, it all comes together now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. You, you, anyway, they have all their conventions, but Fanex is like one of the biggest ones. Pete Buttigieg. So. so yes. Gentlemen. Yes. What geeky things you do this week? Oh, oh boy, did we oh, do some geeky oh, shit this I week? I know it's coming. Geeky, geeky. Oh, yeah. coming. All right, so how do we begin? How about we begin on Saturday? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. Oh, yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Yes. D&D time. We played D&D. Oh, can you The Outsiders. It? Roll yes. the dice, and that's the name of the party. Yes, The Outsiders. Yes. How original. I didn't name them. I'm just here running I said The Outcasts. Dice. Is Emilio Estevez in it? Sure. Why wow. not? That's where he goes. That's I, where he I, goes. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, I ran D and D. Um, it's the second session. Second. So and yeah. and second, he's run in years. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Wherein our heroes explore a ruined keep, acquire a pet, and meet a lunatic. Acquire a pet. Acquire a pet. What a load of bullshit. What? Jeez. It's a mimic. Yeah, no, that's not the bullshit. It's a little pet mimic. I what? open up the doors of here we go of, of of introducing us to this little pet mimic, and then you Ariel, you fed it a good berry. I fed it a good berry, and it liked, and it and it liked you. you. And, and then, then Ariel fed it a good uh, berry, uh, and uh, it she liked didn't her. even feed it. I've never met a good berry. She had one in so. her hand, and the mimic jumps in her hand and eats it, and then sits on her shoulder and she likes ate, her. She 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 fed it. It ate it. You could have given it another good berry. It like, would have jumped you know, to you. you know, but you just gave up. Barry just... You gave up. Uh-huh. Okay. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> they found a, a juvenile mimic. Mimics okay. proliferate in Barry's version of the Forgotten Realms. Apparently. They're everywhere. They're all over. They're the tribbles of the realms. So we 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 uh, we fought one before. Yes, you did. And uh, then when we investigating this basement area, we found the dead body of one. Well, I wanted to include a juvenile mimic, but it wouldn't make sense unless there was another mimic there. Ah, so see? fought another mimic. See? So it was all narrative. So we fought another mimic, which was really cool because we were all like, wait a minute, there are three chests in this room. Oh, I'm going to look at this one. I'm going to look at this one. And I went, I'm going to blast this one. And Barry's like, are you? Are you? And I'm like, yeah. At first I was like, uh-oh. And then I was like, yeah. And then that one turned out to be a mimic. So we got that one. But then we hear rustling around in another room. And we very carefully go in there and find all sorts of wine. Uh, by the way, folks, when you go on uh, a dungeon crawl in Barry's D&D game, wow. your big ticket item that you are going to win, and, and I'm not saying he's being cheap. I'm saying 
totally reflective of the DM. Your big ticket item that is going to make you tons of gold are bottles of fine wine. Oh, <laughs> well. Okay, not this is everyone, my surprise. Not case. everyone keeps their keeps themselves liquid. They invest. They have silver. You also liquid. Found, you found literally, silverware. Literally you liquid. You found service for eight. Literally liquid. That's expensive silverware. So we've got, now we're working over a dozen bottles of wine. Half of them are very fine wine, and half of them are pretty good wines. And trying to keep them safe. Yes. Uh, well, that's okay, because we also did discover a bag of holding Big stuff. surprise, because I hate encumbrance. Yeah. That's a prize for me. We all hate encumbrance, too. It's kind of a coincidence, and uh, I'm not sure if Barry's feeling well, that he's like so accommodating to the... something yeah. nice. No, players in all my games... Tend to find bags of oh yeah yeah me too around two second or third level very very quick it's yeah. just you know um, anyway so on this rack of old bottles we see this one little bottle that kind of like is shaking and uh, I, one of us I think tickled it or kind of brushed it and it went <laughs> and by the way mimic sound effects provided by Steve Biggs yes he all was... monster sound effects provided by yes, Steve Biggs. the problem with this is he pulled out his tablet and started <laughs> using other sound effects for everything overdoing it and yeah. he will never be allowed to do that again Steve overdoing sound effects I, I don't know. know where that came from so Just... uncharacteristic oh, wait I got one for you oh, well, hold on hold on hold on wait wait hold on hold on hold on hold on wait 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 I that. just want to put it down for the record that this is your fault I know I yeah. know I gave him a little fun to do he was doing all the monsters, and then he did the big bad as well. Oh my God, his big bad! So anyway, <laughs> we get the we get the mimic, and it's just sort of like, you know, uh, we're, we're like, well, this is a baby mimic. Is it? Is it okay? Is it? I mean, is it going to be? And I was like, like a raccoon. You never know when the thing's exactly. Turn. So I was like, we each got two good berries from Lewis's character because Lewis likes to break games. And um, so I gave it a good berry. A good berry in D&D parlance is a single berry that has been supercharged with nature magic. You eat it. You're full. You don't need to eat for the rest of the day. It gives you one hit point as well. It's a nice little tiny uh, item, and a typical druid can make a handful of them, pass them out to the party, and they're good for 24 hours. Well, I think it's a ranger spell too, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. a nature magic. Nature spell. magic. Spell, yeah. So I gave it the good berry, my my last good berry, and it was like, <laughs> and she was just, and Ariel was just like, oh, and, and she's a she's already got a familiar, but she doesn't even ever cast. Yeah, but no, now she needs to have a, a pet mimic apparently, because then she's like, oh, I'll take out a a, a good berry, and Barry's like, it jumps in your hand and eats it. You could have, you had another good berry. You no, I didn't. Other people had good berries. Yes. They could have fed them. Well, it's what? a mimic. It's loyal to food. Yeah. I you better mean. you better get loyal with it, otherwise it's going to bond with her. I get oh, see? See? Yeah, I see where this is going. I yeah, see where this to, is going. to those who give Apparently, it Apparently, the Chris Perkins rule applies. Even when they're not your girlfriend, you know. What a whiny little bitch my you God. are. Just be a chick. Oh, my God. Barry will take care of you in his campaign. Do we need to call the Wambulance? Oh, God. Wambulance. Man. That's so, anyway, that happened. Whiner. So, you almost Andy'd a mimic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, oh, God, I loved Steve's character. Yes. Just so ridiculous. That guy was totally Just over crazy. the top mustache twirling lunatic with a, a robe with a a robe a, a bathrobe yeah yeah not not a, robe. not a not a wizardly clerical robe a bathrobe 
with a hastily sewn-on skull yeah. in the back. So he was a somewhat demented Arthur Dent. If Arthur Dent was a necromancer, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's pretty good because even down to the janky staff, yeah. the janky wand, janky of staff of Orcus. Yeah, the yeah, staff of Orcus. St- janky. It, it was janky. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? In, in oh, it was, it, it, it was terrible. It's a terrible, terrible staff of Orcus that only works like half the time, and it's... All, half the time is pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> There's a story behind you, it, you but I'm not going to say. It was like taped together, held together with guts and, uh, you know, gum. String. Yeah. Twine. And with Barry as the DM, that's in good hands. Yeah. 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 So you, we may see that guy again. And if you are interested in following along our game, you can go to outsiders-game.obsidianportal.com. And I'm going to be posting uh, regular uh, episode uh, synopses there and there's a wiki and there's a map and the whole business yeah that's right because otherwise I will forget what we did last time yeah well you know yeah age just yeah age yeah. and experience so you almost got a mimic what what else happened uh, fuck else do you need yeah we fought a bunch of zombies and skeletons they got through a puzzle oh yeah gotta well, I'm, I'm have not, a puzzle I'm not talking about that. Is there anything else geeky that you did oh fuck oh. yes absolutely oh uh, well we had a little uh, board game uh, thing yesterday because yes. Deb is out of town which Uh-oh. usually means it's board game time over at our place That's and right. uh, me and Kirsten and uh, Lewis uh, Major Meh uh, we try to learn new games <laughs> how did that go <laughs> well <laughs> Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Remember, some time ago, Barry and I talked about cracking open his Age of Conan strategy board game. Let me me see if I remember the story right. Uh, You guys had been drinking. Yes. yes. And you, at that point, had quite a bit to drink. It was a little late. And and you brought out the game. You opened it up, said, let's do this, looked at the rule book, and said, let's not. Right. Okay. We actually got a little farther. I was going to say, being stone cold sober, you get a little farther. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I believe we tried to watch a video on it the last time. Yeah, and we couldn't even get through that. Yeah, is it just that complex? It is risk and monopoly, and let's throw in maybe some power grid. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, if, we, if you get far enough, maybe there's some pandemic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's got there's just a lot. Todd, there is there are phases within rounds, within turns, within. What's the estimated time for a game on this? <sighs> Until you get sick of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just stopped playing. Yeah, we did. Uh, how long did you play? Uh, an hour. Hour. Wow. A little longer, How maybe? far did you feel you got in that hour? What did we do? About 10 minutes. Yeah. A round? Uh, two rounds? Two rounds, maybe? Two rounds? We're like, ugh, okay. No. We're, we had we had a lot. Of course, you know, one of these fucking Kickstarter games. You, you've oh, it was the Kickstarter. Oh, no? No. Oh, no. Wow. Okay. One of these not Kickstarter games that aspires <laughs> to be a Kickstarter game. A, a shitload of of setting up. So you got four regions on the world of Hyboria board, right? One centered around Aquilonia, one around Hyperborea, one around Stygia, and one around Za- uh, Turan. And I pick Hyperborea. Lewis picks uh, uh, Turan, and I pick Todd picks uh, Barry picks Stygia. We set up the board. We parcel out the pieces. Lots of pizzas. Lots of nice, actually designed uh, fort 
got a you got fort pieces to, for the your towers forts, that fit into the a forts. tower oh. that can fit in a fort that makes a city but the tower can be its own thing but we didn't know that if you play a three-player game instead of a four yeah. that we shouldn't play with Stiggy. we should we're, play with aquilonia instead we're like, and where in the rules is that in the goddamn back <laughs> we're, we're 45 minutes into it just getting started and barry is we're we're literally starting uh, doling out shit and getting ready for our first round. And Barry's like, also, if uh, if you're playing two, uh, less than four players, blah, 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 Aquilonia. And we're all like, Crap. what? What are the rules for? And there are alternate rules if you're playing less than four people. And one of them is, it is recommended one of the players be Aquilonia. And don't play Steve. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> then we get through the game and you can... Do stuff with influence with the uh, uh, emissaries, emissaries, and diplomatic then, influence. You okay. can go on conquest, intrigue. That's what it's called, intrigue. Yeah. Yes. and then there's army stuff, and then Kirsten's just whooping ass with intrigue, and then it turns out, oh, you can't really take over a territory once you've made them your friend. So he's like stuck. Yeah, yeah. I, I build like these little towers, but with my emissaries. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to screen off Barry. Then I'll elevate him to cities, build armies, and eventually yeah, no, in won't. the end game, I'll just go to marching down. No, because if you don't conquer, if you conquer, you put up a fort. But it takes forever to conquer. Yes. I mean, never. Well, you know, we can get to that. But you, you put up a fort, and then you'll build armies, and then blah. But if you, if you become friendly and establish a diplomatic thing, you really don't build armies. You can bring in more emissaries. Um, you can put armies there. Basically, the, those little forts, that emissary thing, provide an extra layer of combat an attacker would have to go through. It's like super complicated, but I couldn't find the fun in it. Yeah, I Ooh. didn't. I didn't get that that dopamine. We the, the the big dopamine hit was when we figured out the towers go on the forts to make a city. Oh, so we that got, was it fun. Was, so yeah. Legos was the dopamine. Yeah, Legos was the dopamine. We got, we got a little hit. excited with yeah. that. Yeah, but we all just kind of looked at each other and said, you know, I think we're done here. I think we figured we're it done out. With that. So let's try something else. So Lewis brought over this game, Star Wars <laughs> Onslaught. Yes. Is this the card game? No. Star Wars Onslaught. Is it? Is it Star Wars? Onslaught? What is Onslaught? Boy, it's all getting blurry. I, I, oh, I so see it was blurry. memorable. Yes, it uh, was. Yeah, it was so blurry. Yeah. Or it was so drinky. No, it wasn't we, drinky. We didn't drink it. It really wasn't drinky. Right. Lewis oh, was there. You how? can only do so much, and oh, okay. then it's not fun anymore. You know? Um, <laughs> then it gets judgy. God, what the fuck happened at Onslaught? Um, uh, uh, this see, is the guys, really. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm an idiot. It wasn't Star Wars Onslaught. It was like D&D. &D. Yeah. Why did, oh, I say, oh, why did I say Star Wars? D &D. What is Because it was skirmish. Right oh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, a D&D yeah. &D skirmish game. Sorry, I don't know why I thought... I'm just a dummy. <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons Onslaught was, was made in 2023. Lewis bought it for the minis because the minis look really good. They are good minis. But I get that. Yeah. The game... Eh. You know, I was excited because it's like you play... Um, Two uh, characters <laughs> at a time. Yeah, you play multiple characters. You're playing a party... And you're going, you're going on your oh, dungeon three. crawl, yeah, three versus um, opponents, but also uh, versus the other party, depending. So, and then so you competing and, parties in a dungeon. Yep. Yeah. And the goal is, of course, to get points, but get experience by getting gold, by beating enemies, by. But there's blah, no blah, blah. exploration. It's really just <clears throat> fighting. Yeah, it lays out a map, and then it's like, here's a chest. There's a chest. There's a chest. Here's an enemy. There's an enemy. 
And you can level up, and there's a bunch of dice rolls. And in the end, we all looked at each other. It's like, well, you know, we we have a like a a map thing. We could just play big boy D and D and call it a day. Barry was like, I did this yesterday, but it was more fun. It sounds like dungeon, but without walking through hallways. Kind of, yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of, yeah. kind of. I mean, we yeah. were playing the tutorial, but yeah. So we got so. uninterested in that one, too. So wow. that was that so, was 0 for 2. So Conan down, yeah. D&D Onslaught down. Yeah. And then we had Merchants of the Dark Road. Now, Deb and I had brought this to the show maybe like half a year ago or something like that. It was one of the ones I had gotten at a uh, at a board game flea market, and it was really nice because it had the metal pieces. I wanted to introduce them to it. They learn games hard. And by they, I mean Kirsten and Lewis. What do you mean learn hard? Like, Kirsten gives me this look when I'm explaining <laughs> rules. Like, yeah. oh my God, are you kidding? Which is deserved because we had to pause Merchants of the Dark Road to go watch Becca Scott introduce it in a YouTube video. She's very excited about the game in her video. Like, all right. She's now- good for introducing games. You want your game introduced, send it to Becca Scott. Yeah. Nice to look at. Also, she she uh, describes them very well. But she's like super excited about it when she says, Always. All right, step 12 in the setup, you do this. You move this to this board. <laughs> step 25, shuffle the cards. Now step you're ready 30, to play. <laughs> oh, hold on. Step 35, make a sandwich. And there, it was a lot. It just kept going and going and going because the setup for that game is giant. I, I started enormous. nodding off during the setup, and I'm like, Oh, is my this God. a Euro game? Sounds like a Euro game. Uh, no. Euro esque, but I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say it's a specifically made by. You know, yeah. You're a merchant. You go around. You're a merchant. You're going around. You get and, gold. You know. You're not fighting. You, there, there, there isn't. Well, there's, there's an element of fuck your opponent because oh, okay. Lewis managed to actually do that to Barry, or you did that to I Lewis. Did that to Lewis. Oh, there you I go. I did that to Lewis. Yeah. Oh yeah. So someone had to be the Todd. Yeah. Um. Ooh. The, the problem. T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> there's a one in every group. Uh. The problem was that we interpreted a rule wrong, which fucked the entire game up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do so it. So we all looked at each other and said, well, no point in playing. we got to stop this one, Wait, too. We all. I like that. I actually, we go. I actually was like, I played my way, which is very slow start, but I'm building up to something big. Now, what you're doing is you're collecting goods and you're collecting people and then you're going to a destination, unloading your goods and people in return for points. But you're selling people? No, no, you're not a slave trader. You're just transporting them. You're transporting Oh, them. oh okay. You're a yeah. boss. And uh, the, the, by the way, we noticed there are certain symbols in this game actually very similar to King's Dilemma. Very really similar. funny. They're like little little victory point symbols that are a crown of laurel leaves and stuff it's like that. It's kind of a general victory point symbol. I in, guess so. Especially in Euro games. But, uh, aha. But, I mean, that's basically it. You're going around, and there's a sort of fey quality to oh. it. You know, you the, one the dark realm is you're going out of the city to go to the strange fey area to drop off stuff and make sales and stuff. It's commerce with the fey realm. Oh, and then that's where you scrub the animals and feed them the pellets. Yeah, no, no, although I would Hogwarts not have, I would not have been surprised if that had been there. So I'm very carefully going around, and I'm picking up goods and people to transport to this one specific town. And I literally am at zero points for all the rounds we play. And then the the last round, 
we discover this one resource thing that we were doing wrong, which provided way too much resources than we should have been getting. And uh, Lewis and Barry are like, well, we fucked this up. We might as well just stop this game. This is a definite asterisk game. And I'm like, I was right there. And I went ahead and told them my points. And sure, motherfucking enough, after that round, I would have been ahead. I would have been ahead of those fuckers. But they were just like, ah, there's, is there any point to this? Kirsten, you're a winner. Is this heart. any, is there any point the to this? The real treasure was the friends you made along the way. Oh, I wish I had friends. <laughs> so was this a zero out of three night? No, it was not. I mean, yeah, we played a game of DC Deck Builder, but that's just a palate cleanser. That's like Lewis, a sherbet. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, we, saying, call, we call that Thursday. He's saying yeah. that because uh, Lewis won by one point. Um, but then we played a game of Zombicide Black Plague. Now, Zombicide Black Plague, we're pl trying to play through all the scenarios. And we got through scenario zero, which is the tutorial in one, and we played scenario two. Uh, we first had to restart because of catastrophically bad card pools in the first turn. It's like, okay, we're going to die. This is stupid. We shouldn't play. Let's just restart. This, this is not right. So There's we a lot rest of restarting and quitting happening this night. Yeah. Sometimes you rage quit. That happens. It, it it was it was funny, Todd, because with the space of one round of spawning, we were surrounded by everything awful. It really just was a utterly catastrophic, and it was fun too for me because I was the one drawing the zombie cards, and I'm like double spawn, abomination, necromancer, Fuck, just quit. double spawn, quit, fatty times five, load game, <laughs> load. Start, load, stop, load game. And, and, Lewis, and of course, Lewis is doing his, I don't know if Lewis is passive-aggressive or just passive-passive, but he's sort of like, <laughs> we can do this. I think we can power through this. I think I this really is don't. winnable, but if you want to stop, we can't stop. But we can do this. But, but if you want to stop. stop. See, but we can do but this. But we can do this. I like that optimism. <laughs> There's no optimism. You, yeah, and that was the Barry side because of things. <laughs> Yes, you, a strong chance you may fail, but if you win, you really earned it. Uh-huh. Instead, you just gave yes. up like a bunch of pages. Earned wins because because we're all Ayn Randian gamers. Yes. So um, so this we, this one, we, we did a lot better the, uh, the second time around. We, we started. We well, sure, you waited until there was a more favorable <laughs> beginning. Sure. There could not have been yes. a worse beginning. Yes. Than the first one. Yeah. Quitter. No. Shut up. So the scenario here, you know how zombie side works, uh, Todd. One survivor. We there are so the listeners don't. So you might want to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was. I was. I was getting there. Oh. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Were you getting there? All right. Let's see, let's see you, like you're skipping that part. Slow build no. Up? no. I was just about to. <laughs> so, we each have two characters, right? And. One mechanic that's in a lot of these games that I, I'm starting to like more and more, and I'm like trying to theorize, is there a way to make this work in an RPG tabletop? Is your character improves during the game session by you accumulate experience points and you hit these milestones and then, you know, you get a little more of this, an extra turn, an extra action, an extra what have you. And there is this track that is... 49 slots or something like something that? Something like that. Of experience points. Because you get an experience point for killing a zombie. An experience point for, you know, uh, five experience points for picking up a special object token. One of those characters has to be in the red zone, which is around experience point 48, 49. 
and we have to also have opened up another area. And oh, captured a book. There's a special book. book a special book. Yeah, every scenario has different shit you got to do. Yeah. Aside from what the book is or whatever, our our thing was we had we'll get one some one person to the max experience get a specific item from inside the yeah. the deal and then and and this thing generates zombies like crazy, which is good because that's how you get your experience. I had one one character that didn't get out of the beginning slot because she was doing more running around and shit than she was actually you know killing zombies. But Barry's character uh especially he had the spellcaster and especially after he got Inferno. Inferno. Jesus. Which is uh You cast a spell on a on a space on a zone next to you and you you roll four dice and for everyone that gets a four or above you destroy that thing. Yeah. And that was it was brutal. And it's it's uh, the zones are big and and there is no limit Right, like D and D or other grid games might have, you know, X number characters. The zones are just huge, and keep in mind we're spawning zombies every round. Yes, like three or four. And we had zombies. one. We had and sometimes you spawn two zombies, sometimes you spawn four. Yeah. There's walkers who just walk. There's runners who run. You you, cr- you create generators, right? So you'll have a, a spawn generator in a given zone. You may end up with two. You may end up with three generators in a given zone yeah. so when we go through the spawn activation phase they're just and it's never ending you yeah. will never kill all the zombies right and so this goal was basically it was essentially go here go here grab this book Level and up. then just kill zombies until one character hits 49 and in in short order it was obvious that one of Barry's characters, because they both got the the real mass destruction stuff, were going to be the ones that would hit yeah. that point. Now, keep in mind, it's like, I want to say midnight, and we got to get up for work tomorrow, today. Um, and, and we did have around uh, 11.30 or so, we did have the requisite, Lewis, do you want to continue this game? Well, we yeah, can continue this so game. We're so close to the end. But it Why is not? getting late, and we have work tomorrow. But we can continue oh, this game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obvious we're going to get through it. So all I had to do... Stephanie is texting Lewis, I'm going to play the nagging wife until remind you, you have work tomorrow morning. And so she comes to pick she him up. She comes to pick him up. From his play date. Mommy's coming to get him. Mm-hmm. She walks in and... And Lewis is bringing her in going, okay, we should be finished in just a minute There's here. One Barry, roll, Barry's one about to wrap it up. So I, I have like four actions. I take I, I, I take like two actions, I think it is, to move over to where I'm supposed to be, and I have two chances to kill four zombies, and then that's pretty much it, right? Four or five zombies. I rolled so fucking piss poor, I didn't kill enough of them, and then the zombies come and spawn and, and, and jump on me, and they're going to do damage, and I'm like, don't worry, guys. I got armor. We're fine. All I got to do is roll over a certain amount. Roll, roll, nope. Nope, dead. <laughs> dead character, unavailable for That's the one. That is the one that had the that experience is four to win. experience points away from ending the scenario. There were so many curse words. So Lewis turns to Stephanie and goes, All right, dear, this may take a little this longer may take to just end. Just a bit longer. <laughs> but Barry we, we got it. Yeah. Barry was was uh was Beside famous myself. lasting words himself like crazy. Cause like when he comes up on the big pile, 
big huge pile and he's like i'll i'll get them and lewis is like yeah unless you roll real and and what are the odds (laughs) what are the odds come on what are the odds boom 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 and there's like a couple ones there's a two one four i think four and above is what you need it's a good thing i didn't have neighbors that could hear me through the house (laughs) cursing and he's like god damn it and then they swarm him and and lewis is like barry you better survive this and barry's like hey hey don't worry I've got leather armor. I got this. I totally got this. I, I didn't got that. And then he rolled and he died. And he's like, God damn it. So that was fun. In another branch of the multiverse, you won the first game. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, but we did win this game because his other character was, was far was enough hard. up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but it was, it was hilarious because the whole, we'll have this wrapped up in just a minute. Oh dear, this is going to be a little a longer. Yeah. And and Barry just famous last wording himself. That was just great. It's okay, guys. I got this. I've got armor. Or what are the odds? Yeah, it was See, terrible. it all worked out in the end. We have <laughs> failed three games, but one we we wrapped up nicely. Yeah, the game we knew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the only other thing I did geeky, and it, it's just I really want to bring this uh, to people's attention. If you're if you're looking for good TV, um, I've been watching The Bear. On uh, uh, oh god, here we go on Hulu. Um, it's an effects show. It's a young chef from fine dining world returns to Chicago to run his family's sandwich shop. I see why he likes it. Yes, I liked it because of sandwich shop. Also, Jeremy Allen White is really good. Um, it's a very good show, and it's on season two now. And I'm not gonna. I'm not bringing the show in general to to uh, to Geek Shock. I'm specifically bringing season two, episode six. The title of it is called Fishes. It's, oh my God, it's about one of the best hours of television I've ever seen. That's high praise. Yes, it is. Um, It's, I don't know how they did this cast. They got John Barenthal, Jamie Lee Curtis, Bob Odenkirk, Sarah Paulson, John Mulaney, Jillian Jacobs. They're all a family. The disc functional family christmas where everyone's in the kitchen it's it's super fast everyone's talking over each other it's it's really really an amazing episode uh i don't want to ruin it uh it, it's like a it's like a dramedy it's there's drama but it's like super funny and then it gets dramatic real quick watch that episode and in fact you can take that episode right out and you don't have to watch anything else. You can just really? start with that episode because it's a flashback episode. You Fascinating. Don't, you don't have to know anything other than Jeremy Allen White's kind of like the star of the show. And he's the chef that came back from uh, French Laundry. And now he's running a sandwich shop in Chicago. Um, but this is a flashback episode. So just assume he's there and his family's fucked up. All right. You can the watch bear. It. The Bear. The episode, Bear. Season 2, Episode 6. It's six. called Fishes. Season two, Noted. episode six. Yeah. Note that. That's kind of if you sh- like that episode, you'll like the show. You will. Best hour of television you've seen in a long time. Y- yes, I am Ever. not kidding. Up oh, or your money back. There not, you go. Not Appreciate really. it. That's all I did. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? It's time to clockwork Torigo this. Um, oh. But before I go into my feelings about your choice of me watching Clue. I have begun something that many have forgotten about, but have wanted deep in their hearts. Currently running right now is a pinball effects three tournament 
for Theater of Magic. It is a 10-day tournament, three tries. So if you've been wanting a pinball tournament of old, it has begun this week. And as I speak, we're probably right in the middle of it. So it began last Monday, and it will continue on until, what, Wednesday, Thursday? Ish, yeah. So my skills have absolutely atrophied. So now is your time to take me out. Go get them, gang. So uh, if you want to play, it is Pinball Effects 3. Uh, the tournament's name is uh, under Mr. Torgo, uh, capital M, small r, large letters, Torgo. Mr. Torgo. Yeah, because Sony master doesn't like the word in, master. Uh, so M-R Torgo. Really? Yeah. That's weird. It, it, it's a Sony thing. Okay. Masturbate. That's that's why they want you to include that in there. Really? Yeah, that's why. Really? Yeah. Okay. So be Mr. Bait. Yeah, Mr. Bait. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so if you've been wanting that, it's there. Have fun. I've posted the information on both the Shock Bucky's Lair and the Discord. Everyone's invited. Uh, have at. And uh, I've just been wanting to say, okay, what really inspired this is I went to the Pinball Hall of Fame recently okay. and played their broken version of theater of magic it is a little busted and i uh, said oh, you know what i want to go back and play this in with with the monkeys again so let's let's do that uh for the first time and i'm sad to say this uh i i don't recommend the pinball hall of fame anymore really it has gotten so bad that only about a third of the games are now functional hmm. you know you're right i was there like a few weeks ago with some friends and I agree. Only about a third of the games were really functional. They, the they, new ones, the new Stern stuff, yeah, but yeah. That's, it's like sponsored or something. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just, I, this is just my assumption, but this is what makes sense. It was both a good thing and a bad thing that they moved to this location. It's good because it became so popular, but it's bad that it became so popular that the machines got more use than they can keep up with maintenance wise. Yeah. So now it's just a just banks and banks of dark machines, and it's uh, it's saddening to see. It it is sad to see. In fact, the last time I was there, the pinball circus, the one that the really super rare one, yes, uh, was just giving me more and more balls, more balls. Every time I would lose one, it would just give me another one. It was like infinite. It was crazy. That's not good. No, no. not good at all. No, I I kind of like that. <laughs> you get to get bang for your buck. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but. At like, some point, like, it's not fun because it's it's a god mode. Yeah, like Sedona Spank Sparkle Bang. Oh Jesus! One of the, it's one of the names of the the characters in D and D onslaught. Sedona Sparkle Bang. That's yeah. a, that's a choice. Yeah, yeah, it is a choice. It was a Lucasfilm D and D character named Generator or something because <laughs> it was it was very <laughs> very Lucasfilm. Yeah. Very Elon Sleaze Bagano. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <sighs> Sparkle. Sparkle bang. So you have implored me to watch Clue. I listened to your implorings, and uh, last night I sat down and enjoyed some Clue. There you go. Okay. Uh, okay. Enjoys using, doing a lot of work. Oh. Oh dear. Oh dear. Jeff made the the suggestion that I have watched this before, and while watching, I'm like. It could very well possibly be that I have watched this with Jeff and have forgotten all of it because what I am watching is utterly forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, I want to put it. I didn't hate it. Okay, I didn't hate it. It's hard to hate something. In fact, I enjoyed it somewhat because of the talent on the screen. Such talent. Lots of talent. And, of course, it is Tim Curry's film to play with. Mm. He is uh, the breakout of all of it. Uh, in fact, I think in an interview he said it was one of his favorite roles he ever played. I could see why. That <sighs> it's not necessarily the movie's fault. Now, I know some of you really hate me this. Jake, I know you're, real, you're, you're punching the speaker right now. Hey, I hate him all the time. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I think it's one of those Goonie things. I love Goonies uh, a lot, but that's because I watched Goonies when I was a child and have a lot of nostalgia for that. I have a feeling this is kind of in that same boat. <laughs> Maybe, okay, I'll give you that a little bit. Because it's a terrible whodunit. There's not much of a plot. The fact that they have three different endings speaks to the fact that the clues and the whole thing are immaterial since it can go three different ways on how it Oh. And frankly, there are four that they filmed. They took out one of them because it was a little too dark, but it's still in the novelization, apparently. Okay, if you're watching it. <laughs> wow. If you're watching it thinking about like it's a serious whodunit, you're not watching it right. No, no, no. It's comedy. It, is it? Um, when, I, oh, when I God. watch Star Wars, the implications of hyperspace travel. <laughs> We're just not dealt with in a way I felt was realistic and made any sense. It's based on a game called Clue. <laughs> Cluedo. Clu Cluedo for you original British folk. Uh, it's a board game movie. Exactly. It's a board game movie. It's supposed to be just funny. It's supposed, supposed to. to be. Oh, dear. Oh dear! Well, he here's the thing: like for for funny, you need to have surprise in your jokes instead of them re you knowing what the joke is seconds before they tell it, because the setup was so strong. It's a half-assed farce. That's they. I'll, I'll give it to them. They try their best. I had a lot a lot of hope when it started. First name up, Deborah Hill presents. Deborah Hill, great producer, mm. produced almost all mm. of John Carpenter's stuff. Yes, right. John Landis mm -hmm. wrote part of the script and was a producer on it as well. It's got some pedigree. It was his, it was his idea to make multiple endings because they figured people would go back to see the movie multiple times. They didn't. The movie didn't do well. <laughs> no, and there's reason for it. It's okay. It's okay. Was it? fun i i wanted it to be more fun than it was there's only so much you can do with clue it's based on a board game that's frankly not a very good game no, anyway it's terrible i hate playing clue so <sighs> i i definitely applaud uh the writers on this taking this very very nebulous clue concept and actually realizing it in movie form they the set was based off the board. Everything was in its proper place. The secret doors went to the right places. Those, you know, the kitchen to conservatory, whatever. They that they had that all that focus, the detail. Uh, the opening was fun. The opening was introducing the characters. They're all the aliases. Why? And, and up to the breakfast, up until the point that Mr. Body dies. The middle, though. The middle is just... I... I 
just couldn't find myself caring after a while. And then when the uh, when all the reveals started happening, I was like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. And the second one happened, and I was like, well, that kind of makes sense too. And the and third one happened, Tim and I'm Curry like, that is... makes the most sense. Obviously, that was the original idea. But Tim Curry himself wasn't fun in those reveals. He was he was fun. Uh, let's, put, let's put it this way. I would rather watch a production of Noises Off. It's an actual good farce versus this really forced one. They did what they could with the script. All right. The, the, I mean, that is, ev- everyone that is, is fine. Poor praise. E- e- right. Um, okay. So you didn't have you didn't have the kind of fun you were expecting. Uh, right. Was, was, it, it, was it built she, up too much? She was led it, to believe. Well, that's just a thing. I don't think it was because I really didn't have. I didn't set it at a high bar to begin with. I wasn't expecting it to. Wasn't expecting it to be great. Frankly, I kind of got what I expected. It wasn't bad, <laughs> but I, it's weird. I can I, see why I it has love a, this. I can see why it has a cult following. Mostly, I think it's because of the people that saw it when they were younger. Yeah, that might be true. I just, I feel like you're pissing on my Cheerios for some reason, <laughs> and I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's a, I, I, I know if you, why. If you can pull this movie right out of my life, and I'll be fine. But you know, I know exactly why, why because I had the same feeling when Andy said he watched the Goodies and really couldn't stand it. And I felt like he was pissing on my Cheerios as well. Why? Because as attachment to my childhood, and I love it because of that attachment. However, I definitely get anybody that's going to watch the Goonies as an adult, probably going to fucking hate it. Now, is there a word in German for that? Oh, yes. It's Schleischblach. Schlurgenheiben. But, uh, so, am I glad I watched it? Nah, not really. Uh, but <laughs> it, it did fill that space, and now Jeff can get off my fucking back. And more importantly, I, I really enjoyed watching you pee into his Cheerios. <laughs> Barry's Cheerios full of pee is just... And thank you, Froyog Soft Serve, for the German word for I didn't hate it, but I can't explain how I feel. Ververtarganus. <laughs> I don't think that's how it's pronounced. Ververtarganus. From the German confused enjoyment. I'm not... I don't speak fucking German. If Deb were here, she'd say it right. Ververtarganus. So... Once again, Clockwork Torgo is in full effect. The nominations have been out. They've been voted on. The next movie that I have not seen that will be fulfilled due to your wishes is Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Mm. Uh, A film that, uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen. It's It's a movie I forgot about over over time. I remember when it came out, and I was like, I love Tim Burton, but I'm not sure I want to see him about Ed Wood. And, and it just, just kind of slipped away into the uh, a forgotten Tim Burton film in my, my brain. Mm-hmm. And now you brought it back up, and I'm like, yeah, that's a fine choice. So I'm glad it won out by one vote. So it's uh, over whom I, I believe it beat uh, was a happy Gilmore or Tommy boy. One of those two oh, were, the, oh, were, good. were a close second. Good. Good. Congratulations. Tommy so boy. no Ugh. one no one voted for the commitments was I was very surprised by. <laughs> so that's what's going forward. Uh, I, I'm sorry if if I disappointed in you in in my not caring all that much for Clue, but no, it's I, it's just okay. Yeah, you disappoint me, but you always disappoint me. So I'm not disappointed by your disappointment, and I'm just deliriously happy. So that's great. And Ed Wood, oh boy. 
I can hardly wait to hear you. Cause, Never you know, saw it. I watched that movie, and of course, Martin Landau is the reason to watch that movie. Johnny Depp is very good, but Landau was just amazeballs. Well-earned Oscar. Um, and watching that movie, it's really funny because, you know, his movies were awful. His movies, Edward's movies were awful. Really bad. But you like worse than Uwe Boll. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they they were textbook. This is just the most awful. But it, I grew an appreciation because he was really, it was really, gosh, wow, come on, guys, let's make a movie. <laughs> it's the guy, just sorry, just, sorry, I'm fucking with the mic. <laughs> just went out there. And made movies, you know, and, uh, you know, oh, I bumped into the, that's okay, we, 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 we're moving on, you know, it, it just, uh, I forgot my line, it, don't worry about it, it worked anyway, it was just, uh, and of course, this is a Tim Burton approach, you're not getting a docudrama on Ed Wood, but I think that Burton actually nails the whole, don't give this guy a bad, a, as bad a hard time as he's been getting. So I, I just, I really, you know, because, I mean, he was sort of a guy who went out there and made movies because uh, Robert Rodriguez said, there's no excuse. There's no excuse nowadays. You want to make a movie, you can make a movie. You can make a movie on your fucking camera. You can do it. Go out there and make your movies. Make them. Get started. Learn. Just do. Do and learn from doing. You know, and there, it was, there's no excuse today is a very important line because back in Ed Wood's time, it was a major fucking pain in the ass. And they actually talk about some of the machinations he went through to get the equipment to make movies and do the stuff that he did. So you, you just learn just how fucking difficult it was to go out there and fulfill your dreams. And that poor bastard, he really tried. He really tried. So I, I, you know. I wonder how much of a similar story it is between him and Hal Warren. Hal Warren being the guy that wrote, directed, and starred in Manos Hands of Fate. Yeah, really. He was a, a fertilizer salesman that said, well, I can do that too. And by God, he did it. Yeah. In a time that was not easy to make movies. That's wow. right. He made a, a bad movie, but he made a movie. He made a movie. He sold shit, and now he made shit. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about Warren, I don't know anything about him. But I do know that part of it, I thought part of it was a bet. Like, oh, I could do better than that, or I could do that. And somebody's like, go fucking ahead. You know, it could very well be. And, you know, so there is Isn't an element. how we started this podcast? <laughs> and Hal Warren had no audio guy. He just had the yeah. video camera. So all the all the dialogue in that movie was recorded in post. Oh, boy, that oh. puppy is an ADR oh, wow. masterwork. <laughs> masterwork. But um, I... I, I I don't know. I don't know. What little I've heard of, of, of Manos and Hal Warren, I think there was a lot more joy in cinema <laughs> Ed Wood. Probably. You know, but, and that's part of it. You know, the magic of the movies and the relationship with Bela Lugosi. The relationship was, uh, Depp and, and Landau were beautiful. It was, it was just sublime. I can't say it enough. And I, I'm not even worried about over-promoting it. If you come out of this movie not liking it, I will be very disappointed in you. Get your Cheerios ready. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go high end. I'll get my granola ready. So, but yeah. So this will be cool. 
I hope I hope you can find it within yourself to to make it a watch party. But you know, what whichever you go see it because I'm looking forward to this. It's been a fascinating ride so far, Monkey. So thank you for your vo- votes and choices on this. So yeah, come over. We'll make it a watch party. We can make it a double feature. That and Human Centipede. Why? Why not? <laughs> Kay, Kay, what else you do this week? I don't know. I think there's plenty of why nots there. Yeah. I know what I'm doing next week. I'm finding a lot of why nots. <laughs> Jesus, that movie. Fucking A. <laughs> Key Rice. You know, it's just the time that he put on that scene and Barry's just sitting there. Look at that. Look at that. He's shitting in her mouth. Oh, my God. That's just the kind of thing that Barry <laughs> takes joy in. <laughs> yeah, apparently. It was just to like, Barry, that's Thursday. I was actually. I just pretend it's you, really, anywhere. <laughs> like, all three of them are you. <laughs> three Todds. He's, he's, got a, he's got my face etched to the bottom of his toilet. Yeah, and of, of course, you know, if, if it was Barry and it was you, he would clone multiple points of view so he could have a circle of Todds. <laughs> So there is no beginning. There is I'll no feed end. one once. Yeah, a lot. Then attach it. Yeah, and then okay. Then it's there infinite. you go. Then begin. Um, I, I, he calls actually, it a circle of joy. It's hard. Yes. I've been horrified by movies. I've been you know I've been scared, terrified by movies. I've been very deeply affected by movies, but I got to admit that was the first time I was honestly revolted and repelled. I just actually was disgusted, and I was actually very. Very surprised at myself. I, it, on the one hand, not because obviously, right? It's but disgusting. I'm even. I can even handle poop humor, but the whole thing, and I think a lot of it is actually torture and helplessness. It is, and and that was just. It is a horrific depiction of helplessness. It is absolutely insanely what it is. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, 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 what else did you do besides? <laughs> oh, oh, pooping. Um. Yeah. Let's see. See, I, I, I need to tell you, I have a secret goal now. Oh to shit. To mention Human Centipede at least like once every four or five episodes, so that if it gets tagged enough, when people search Human Centipede, I want our website to come up. Yeah. Because because it will get tagged, <laughs> right, Todd? The tag will be made, right, Todd? Uh, no. <laughs> Someone's interested. What's Human Centipede? Oh, what's Geek Shock? Yeah. <laughs> There's some fans we just don't want. Um, Steve and I watched Mark of the Vampire, Ooh. a Todd Browning joint, black nice. and white. Kind of, it was kind of explained by John Bean, uh, one of our one of our fans, uh, comic book author, artist. Um, as uh, Todd Browning doing a, a talky version of uh, London After Midnight. Oh, interesting. Although I certainly hope this was not London After Midnight. <laughs> it was a little satirical. Okay. There was there was elements of comedy. But uh, when I told Steve, Steve, we gotta look, we gotta look at this cast, and he's like, Oh, I'll see what we have. Oh my, oh what? You know, because it had Lionel Barrymore, Lionel Atwill. Uh, it had um, Bela Lugosi. It had all these older greats of uh, the the twenties and thirties cinema, and so and it's basically there is a murder and they're trying to solve it, and then these vampires become involved, and uh, Bela Lugosi is one of the vampires, of course. So, but it does have elements of uh, satire in it. 
the terror and the fright and you know the superstitious peasants versus science trying to figure things out and there is a twist to it uh for those people who may have over researched london after midnight you would know what what kind of twist we're talking about so i don't want to go too far into that even though it's a movie from 1935 say, so it's a, i'm not exactly I, ruining yeah i think it's a but uh due days expired as yeah. far as, as well it basically okay fine basically they uh there's someone who's discovered dead rich guy um in a castle you know there's a whole it's modern times but it's also you know they're in europe and there's aristocracy etc and uh, he has some puncture holes in his neck, and he's drained of blood. So the doctor is like, obviously, it's and it's funny how this works out. The doctor is obviously, well, obviously, it was vampires. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, you know. And then you had the inspector who's like, oh, Tosh, this is nonsense. Lionel Atwell is the oh, Tosh guy. If if, if you watched a lot of black and white early 20th century cinema even if you don't know Atwill's name you'll recognize him when you see him and then of course uh, Barrymore is the famous uh, crotchety bastard from uh, I mean he's of the Barrymores of course but he's also known for the crotchety uh, bad guy in uh, ah, Capra's Christmas thing Wonderful Life so he plays the Van Helsing analog you know the doctor who believes in vampires, and we have to find this out. And there's this whole thing where they're going through, to, we must find the vampires who killed Mr. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out they're pretty sure they know who killed Mr. Blah, blah, blah. It was a person, and they're do. it's a convoluted plot because they're doing this whole vampire uh, hoax thing in an effort to convince the guy who killed him to actually fess up it's like that and everyone oh. everyone's involved the man's daughter her fiance uh the you know uh, local townspeople the inspector who's constantly vampires tosh it's an impressive um, conspiracy yes it is and and it's an elaborate ruse to and you know and eventually you get the Doctor, I don't know if this is going to work. Oh, he's so close. We're breaking him down. Do not worry. And then he hypnotizes the guy to reenact the murder. One Maybe of the, they should have done that from the beginning. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the one of the uh, twists is the vampires are portrayed as having risen, and the the guy who died, who was killed, is one of them. And what they did is they had found someone who looks remarkably like him, and he's walking around like he's in a vampire state. And uh, Bela Lugosi is in this as one of the vampires doing his Bela Lugosi best. Nice sets, very good sets, very atmospheric production design, actually, very nice. And this audio, which almost has a, a constant undercurrent of little ooh, wind blowing, uh, as well as, you know, wolves howling and stuff like that. It's like Dangerous house. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, and then um, at the end, they get the guy to reenact a murder. They stop him just in time before killing the double, and it's like it's all revealed. Everyone's good, and it turns out that the the vampires were all hired actors. So at the end, how meta? The very last scene are the actors packing up and getting ready to move on, and it's really hilarious because in his only lines in the movie, Bela Lugosi comes walking in and goes. 
I think I was wonderful. The vampire, more vampire than any other vampire who ever did. It was amazing. And the girl's like, yeah, that's wonderful. Help pack the costumes, you know. And then that's the wrap-up of the movie, which was actually kind of amusing. So it was, it was very interesting. So was it good? Uh, well, you, what, dude, you we're talking about, we're probably talking about like a definite B picture, 1930s. So I think it was exactly what it was. Todd Browning is sure. one of the uh, better, uh, especially horror directors. Guy that did Freaks. Yes, and I, I'm sure Freaks is better. <laughs> Sounds better. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, okay. So there are plenty of modern cinephiles who are not going to enjoy this movie. So I would not say, if you love horror, go see this movie, because chances are very good you're probably not, because it's just very, very of its time that's a it's almost a question to to bring up in all this someone who is well-schooled only in modern horror let's say mm. uh stuff from 2000 onwards oh boy um how accessible is the old well, universal stuff or the we talked we've talked about that because you've mentioned that the the old universal monsters do nothing for scaring you oh, of course and i'm sort of eh, they don't really scare me either right i find them interesting yes but I, I, it's, you know, for me, the better ones are, you know, uh, Dracula, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. It's, it's atmospheric. And I think that's the word that I would kind of use the whole atmosphere of the eerie, the weird, the strange. Um, Ghost of Frankenstein? Son of Frankenstein? It was the second sequel. Um, Frankenstein that, too? Frankenharder? <laughs> Frankenthurder. Uh, that one was interesting with because. Vengeance. That was a talkie, and they're doing kind too fast, too Frankenstein. They're they're uh, they're doing more realistic portrayal, but their sets were extraordinarily surrealistic. We're talking about set designs that actually kind of belong to ig totally ignoring Barry and uh, <laughs> Frankenstein in the hood. Uh, movies like Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Okay, so or or a German impressionist, exactly that kind of it. it you know, very inspired by that, which is really quite remarkable. Frankenstein Strikes Back. So, Revenge of Kirsten, Killing Barry, <laughs> Killing Barry 2. So, Kill Barry Harder, uh, as opposed to Barry Harder, which is apparently what's going on. It's okay, Barry. Not all of them can land. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we've talked about that. And, yeah, man, I mean, for all the jump scare, the horror, the gore, you know, stuff like that, I think it can be very difficult. And also the the fact that modern horror tends to work very hard to make make a case for the slice of life, you know, when they set them up and and just the realism and then they move into the oh my god, this is out of fuck this is fucking crazy. What the hell's going on here? Whereas, you know, the early twentieth century movies are, are they're right from the get go very period very affected very whatever almost gothic roman yeah exactly so you know i i i if you're a horror nut but it's all modern yeah and i mean most people say that there's a lot of contempt for the universal stuff and which breaks my heart but yeah just the the sheer uh pathos of like um larry talbot the wolfman and his character i mentioned steve and i watched that a few weeks ago or Dark Corners Reviews did a wonderful little retrospective 
on Cheney and his career, especially as a Wolfman, which I think is a must-see for you know horror historians. But yeah, modern, it's a tough sell. And I think that's one of the reasons why Universal is having a problem with its monster property. Notwithstanding that they didn't really have a plan and they weren't sure how they were going to do this, they tried to Kevin Feige it when Kevin Feige is Kevin Feige and no one else is. Uh, but, you know, yeah. it's just... So, anyway. But then again, Kevin Feige took those fucking Marvel comics and made them billionaire franchises. So maybe there's something in, you know, the Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman and Mummy. Frankenstein 2. Electric Boogaloo. Franken. Frank... Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Pissed in the cereal. I'm just thinking of sequel names now. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you have to do that. Frankenstein. Frank another day. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, Frankenstein 3, Citizens on Patrol. I get it. Yeah, right. Citizens on Patrol. (laughs) Anything else you do, Kay? Uh, That's really it. A lot of my geekery was co-opted by Barry because, you know. That's some solid geekery. I can't say. It it was a good geek weekend. I I geek hard. That, that, (laughs) it's like, it's good. I like that, you know, Deb disappears so often because that's when things happen. When she's around, Barry gets into his shell. He gets all quiet. Nothing happens. What? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Barry's life, news you don't give a shit about. Hey, yo. The forthcoming Barney film. What? What's what? What is it? Film? Is that the word? Barney four. Is it going to be live action? Barney Harder. Yes, yes it is. Uh, The forthcoming Barney film from Mattel Films to be produced and star Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya will be an adult-oriented A24 type project. Executive Kevin McKeon has revealed. What the hell does that mean? The film will be, quote, (laughs) surrealistic in the vein of films by Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. Quote, we're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than fine-tuning this for kids, shared the exec. It's really a play for adults. That's Not that it's R-rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being 30-something growing up with Barney, just the level of disenchantment within the generation, unquote. I might enjoy this. Uh, The Barney pick is just one forthcoming project centered on the character who's getting a new animated series from Mattel set for release in 2024. According to a report from The New Yorker, Mattel has 45 toy-centered films in development. Uh, The list includes a Daniel Kaluuya's Barney movie, a Hot Wheels movie from J.J. Abrams, a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie starring Vin Diesel, a Polly Pocket movie from Lena Dunham. What the fuck is Polly Pocket? A He-Man Masters of the Universe movie starring Kyle Allen, and a movie about Major Matt Mason. That's the forgotten astronaut action hero that inspired Buzz Lightyear, starring Tom Hanks. Are they going to have a shared universe? Are they going to have an Avengers movie? That would be kind of epic. A Viewmaster project based on the toy that functions as a handheld slideshow is reportedly in the works. Uh, The report goes on to explain that Miramax veteran Robbie Brenner, uh, the newly appointed head of Mattel Films, has been tasked with assembling a team of development executives to rummage through, quote, Mattel's toy chest and identify IP that could be fodder for Hollywood studios, unquote. How do you make a movie about a viewfinder? (laughs) It's like Rake, the movie. Well, they've... Broom! The movie. Blum, 
uh, Blumhouse has been in development on a Magic 8-Ball movie for about five years now. Uh, they just got a new writer like this last week. That is the flimsiest IP ever. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, Blumhouse, and they've gotten one of their more comedic directors. Gum, the movie. So, <laughs> Barry, the movie. Oh, that's just that's uh, just milk toast. Yeah. Now I'm trying to go through my head thinking, what are the lamest toys you could possibly make a movie out of? Let's. Lame toys. Stretch Armstrong. There's actually something. There's there. something oh, there. They did a Gumby there. thing, kind of. You know, God, because I'm Gumby. Damn it. Stickball, the movie. Yeah. T ball. Well, stickball. That's not. That's just stick. Yeah. If you're poor. <laughs> Stick the movie. <laughs> wow. Jarts, Jarts the movie. It's a jump rope. It's the movie. Now. Jump rope the movie. There you go. I don't know. I can see them doing a double Dutch kind of thing with that. Yeah. I think they Satanic have a movie. jump rope wraps around the neck, kills people. Oh, a horror movie. Okay. Interesting. Or a heist film. A, hi- a heist film with jump rope? No, that would be like uh, some lame board game, like memory or something. Can you do Memory, the board game movie? Is that a thing? That sounds like it would be really awful. I eh, I, I got to say, it's, it's hard to beat on the awful scale. I think I they know. made that. It was called Memento. Kind of a, yeah, or a political thriller. Or oh, some okay. Kind of, you know, spy thriller. Based on the board game. How about, Cootie, the movie. How about Clue? That would make a terrible movie. That would be a, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Shoots and ladders. There you the go. The movie. Mousetrap. You can make a movie out of that. You can make a movie out of Shoots and Ladders. <laughs> Can make a movie out of the emoji movie, apparently. Yeah, that's it. You just need a flimsy premise. That's all you need. Plate. And Mattel the is movie. Pl- Mattel is full of flimsy premises. So yes, go. Operation the movie. That's well, that's a Geek Shock will have to make its own movie. Okay. I'm not even going to see that flimsy premise by Geek Shock. Ah, there it is. Sandwich the movie. Well, that's done. Jesus. I, I want to bite your finger, dude. <laughs> Don't even. Don't that, even? That's what? a great, great board game. <laughs> <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. That's got to be one in there, right? That's got to be in development somewhere. Sure. It's a it's got documentary. Too much it's in Egypt, and there's lots of death. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. And yes, it's another horror film. Right? Yeah. yeah. A lot of board games are like horror films. Shoots well, and letters. <laughs> horror film. Actually, that's... Candyland. What? what? How about a four-hour period drama based on Catan? Yeah. <laughs> I I like Barry's. At what what board game is the most horrific? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's trouble. Trouble. You're in. Trouble. Sorry. Trouble. Sorry. Trouble and sorry the same thing. Dude, sorry. Sorry. Parcheesy. Same thing. Parcheesy. Mystery Parcheesy. date. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who? It's a murderer. News don't give a shit about the launch of Magic the Gathering's Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth has been overshadowed by the serialized One Ring card. Hmm. Only one version of this card exists in the world, causing it to have a bounty up to $2 million, something that's gone mainstream, even spread outside of the Magic the Gathering community. Uh, The One Ring card was recently found in Whitby, Canada, ending the search and dashing the hopes of anyone who was hoping an already pringled card was going to make them a multimillionaire. Uh, Wizard of the Coast has likely already made a fortune with the Lord of the Rings crossover, but it 
it looks like the boost that the one ring was giving it might have already started to fade. The, the market value of the Lord of the Rings collector booster boxes have already seen a dip in the past few days since the discovery was made. Well, yeah. yeah. Treasure's been found. Yeah. The uh, TCG Players chart shows that collector booster boxes was previously valued at $478 between June 27th and 29th, and just a day before the One Ring was found. Uh, since then, the collector booster box has been dropping in value uh, down currently $391. This confirms the price that uh, can be seen in the chart toward the end of June was likely just fueled by collectors looking for the One Ring. Uh, keeping the dream somewhat alive, though, is the inclusion of the serialized soul rings that can be found in collector boosters. While these don't fetch, fetch highest prices, $2 million, the rarer foil versions are still being sold for thousands of dollars. So there, there's still a chase out there, just not the big one. I hate every time I hear a story about Magic the Gathering, I think I should have never sold my cards. Good. Uh, More Magic the Gathering stories, Todd. No, it yeah. makes me angry. I did find a couple hundred dollars worth of cards the other day when I was cleaning out my office and I want to sell them. So. I don't know if I've told my Magic the Gathering story. What? Here we go. What do you got? Years ago, at the beginning, we're not talking beta. We're not talking. We're talking uh, uh, alpha, alpha beta. No, Ninety-two. The the, 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 the the very first overall commercial printing. Oh, uh, fourth edition revised. It was it like ninety-four? Because that's when I got so it. Ninety-four. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe was it around? There. Was it around the release of Legends? A a friend of mine had. Uh, yeah, I'd say about Legends. They were, ju they were just summer. They were just starting to release uh, add-on packs. Might have been '93 even. Anyway, anyway, I was starting to get into it. My girlfriend at the time was starting to get into it. So we had some cars between us. Uh, a friend of ours at the college had a whole shitload of cards, and he was like, "I'm not into this anymore. You guys can just have them." So we took those cards and we started playing with them, just grabbing a just making our own decks out of it and so on. And finally, my girlfriend and I decided to, you know what we're going to do? We are going to just, one, this one's yours, this one's mine. Just randomly take that box and one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. No regard to rare, common, uncommon? It wasn't a thing at the time. That No one really even paid that much attention to it. Not where I was at anyway. Okay. And uh, all I know is that I hope she still has them because one of them was a time walk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she got that. Fuck. So, uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, there you go. I, I lost the, a time walk on a 50-50 proposition. I hope that uh, when she looks at that time walk, she remembers her time with you, Todd. She's like, ah, oh, Todd, I wonder what's he doing now? Oh, like all of my exes probably burned in a pile somewhere. <laughs> I had a few mocks. Not beta or alpha, just like the, the revised mocks, but I had I had them. Gone now. All yeah. gone. Yeah. With my hopes of being rich. Yeah. Yeah. All gone. You don't give a shit about. Ah. Uh, we kind of touched on this one a little bit ago. Several years ago, Mattel teamed up with Blumhouse to produce a film based on the 1950s toy Magic 8-Ball. Uh, last we heard, Jeff Wadlow, who did True for Dare, was uh, Truth. True for Dare. Truth. Truth or Dare, was <laughs> attached to direct the movie, and the project was... Just landed a new screenwriter, Jimmy Warden, the screenwriter of Cocaine Bear. He has devised a horror comedy about the Magic 8-Ball. Unclear if Wadlow is still attached to direct. The previous draft of the script was written by Wadlow with Julian Jacobs and Chris Roach. So, 
If you are interested in that Magic 8-Ball movie and you liked Cocaine Bear, there you go. If you like cocaine, you'll love this movie. Weekend Geek! Hooray! Aw. Naysayer. Really? Yeah. Mr. No? Yeah. Wow. What's some news I can be excited by? Oh, yeah. News you could be excited by. News I give a shit about. Car. Todd in a car accident. Yeah. Todd survived in a in a plane wreck. But you should survive. Oh. Yeah, there you go. I like what's happening right now. <laughs> Although Mr. No, not a great Bond sequel. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's no. Barry. Barry is not a great Bond sequel. What? See Danny some of them Tre- land. Danny Trejo. Yay! And Joel McHale are what? set to appear in, <laughs> wow! in an upcoming sci-fi comedy film titled Tim Travers and the Time Traveler's Paradox from director Stimson Sneed. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of rhymey shit in there. <laughs> the film is an ex- expansion of Sneed's award-winning short of the same name. Uh, the movie stars Samuel Dunning, uh, who was in Blue Bloods, stars as, quote, a narcissistic genius but broke scientist who seeks to solve the paradox of what happens to your past self when a future version travels backwards in time. His work attracts the attention of the head of a mercenary army, played by Machete Star Treo. Uh, McHale plays a conspiracy theorist radio host who interviews with the scientist protagonist on his mind-bending work frame, The Narrative. Unquote. I'll watch it. I'll Green watch light. it, yeah. yeah. Tim yeah. Travers and the Time Traveler's Paradox. I want Trejo in a space opera. Do I, do you, oh, do I gotta yeah. say the whole name of the film before I can let in? Because I won't yes. do well with that. Well, yeah, yeah, you gotta do it. Mm-hmm. It's the movie title. Even the, even the if director's you ask for the name. ticket, you can't just say, I want yeah. a ticket for Tim. I mean, I'm gonna find out where you're going and get there before you and tell them to do that. Shut up. <laughs> Don't like you. Uh, Stray publisher, that's the game Stray publisher, Annapurna Interactive has announced it is currently working on the first Blade Runner game in 25 years. A Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth will be the debut game for Annapurna's interactive new inter- internal studio. <laughs> Not an inner. In- inner. Inner internal. Internal studio, which is being led by former What Remains of Edith Finch and Solar Ash developer Chelsea Hash. Uh, Blade Runner 2033 takes place in, guess what, 2033, and is set in a dystopian Los Angeles after the blackout hits. Working in collaboration with Blade Runner 2049 studio, Alcon Interactive Group, which is currently also developing a new Blade Runner TV series for Amazon Prime, Annapurna has said that the upcoming game is set to release on both PC and consoles, and that more information about the project will be revealed soon. Uh, the last Blade Runner game we got was the point-and-click adventure game developed by Vegas' own Westwood Studios for PC back in 1997. Yikes. My goodness. I remember those guys. They used to come into Star Trek all the time. Everyone take a drink. We oh, mentioned yeah. Star Trek. Uh, but they would come in all the time, and they'd give us stuff sometimes. They'd Command and Conquer was there. Command and Conquer yeah. guys, Knox, yeah. yeah. So, also revealed this week was that uh, EA has... Uh, Greenlit moving forward on a Black Panther open world game, mm. uh, but it's so far in the future that's pretty much just a name drop at this point, and yeah. probably won't see it for another eight years. So, Boop. put that in your back pocket and forget about it. Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow is directing a new film based on the fictional lost continent of Atlantis. 
Trevorrow has teamed up with Charmaine DeGrete, a writer and co-executive producer on HBO's House of Dragon, uh, of The Dragon, who will pen the screenplay. The film is a, quote, fantasy adventure based on the fabled advanced civilization that sank and then was lost due to either the elements, ancient gods, or man's hubris, unquote. Though few plot details have been revealed, we know that the movie has been in development for quite some time at Universal with an original draft of the script written by Alien Covenant co-writer Dante Harper. Uh, this upcoming project, not to be confused with the live-action Atlantis The Lost Empire reboot that has been rumored to be in development for some time. Uh, the 2001 Disney animated film followed a young explorer, voiced by Michael J. Fox, by the way, who accidentally becomes a key to unraveling an ancient mystery when he joins up with a group of daredevil explorers to find the legendary Lost Empire of Atlantis. And I forgot Atlantis The Lost Empire from Disney was ever made. Mm. They haven't had a good Atlantis project in a while. It's like that and Treasure Planet. Oh, around yeah, the same time. yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I don't remember too much about Namor. Was he from Atlantis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was they, the king of Atlantis. Why did they change that in in the movie? Which which movie? Black Panther. Oh, I, I, but that game's coming later on. I, I the movie. Oh. I don't know why they changed that. I'm not in that discussion. I, I'm just curious now. I, th I, th I thought he was from Atlantis. He yeah. was, yeah. I mean, I was fine with it. It was a fine change, but it's a big change. It was big. I mean, I kind of like the idea and how they did it, but uh, yeah. Maybe they wanted to move away from Aquaman. Maybe they felt that Aquaman kind of claimed that territory. That yeah. might be it, although Namor was first. Yes, so. but the movie... People I, remember I, I, Aquaman you know, movie the movie first. Well, fuck but they're going to the say, people. Namor, they're stealing that from Aquaman. Yes. Yes. But they'd say. You make that joke in the movie. I thought it was, oh, oh, with Aquaman here. No, that's a comic book. That would have been a fun little joke. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want to punch down. <laughs> oh. Oh, Todd. Well, good. Good one. See, sometimes they land. <laughs> That's just truth. The original recording of the Wilhelm scream, arguably the most famous sound effect in movie history, has been discovered. Cal really? Arts researcher Craig Smith uncovered the tape among a collection he received from the film school at USC. The archive clip also includes five alternate takes on the iconic scream. Smith admitted it could have been lost to history after being resigned to a basement archive for years. The Wilhelm Scream, named after the character who utilized the anguished yell in the 1953 Western The Charge at Feather River, after first being recorded for 1951's The Distant Drums, has cropped up in everything from Star Wars to Breaking Bad. Most recently, it could be heard during the opening train sequence of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. In total... The Wilhelm Scream has been heard in over 400 movies, TV shows, and video games. Wow. And they should found I, the original. Should I play for people who don't understand what that is? Oh, sure, Biggs. Go ahead. There it is. That. At, at least you have timing. <laughs> You've heard it before. And Biggs even used it during the game. Yeah. The D&D game. Yeah. Netflix is teaming up with the creators of Dark, Baran Boadar, and... Jean-Tege Frise? Oh, no, I'm going to need that again. Jean-Tege? J-A-N-T-J-E. J-A-N-T-J-E. Jean-Tege. 
Thank you. Fige. Frise. F-R-I-E-S-E. Yes. Fine. To develop a series adaptation of the horror comic Something is Killing the Children from Boom Studios. Story centers on a small town that is plagued by monsters that eat children, and there's a mysterious young woman who has the special powers to combat the creatures. Quote, when the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories, impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. Slaughter. Yeah, Erica Slaughter. Okay. (laughs) The comic was co-created by DC Comics writer James Tinian, who did a strong run on Batman, and Werther Del Adera, and it ended up being one of the most successful original English-language comics series of the last five years, selling more than two million copies worldwide, Mm. winning multiple Eisner Awards, including the 2022 Eisner Award for Best Continuing Series. That's right, Barry. Boom Studios, Stephen Christie, and Ross Richie are executive producing the Netflix adaptation with co-creators Tinian and Deladera co-executive producing the series. Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy had originally jumped on board to co-write a pilot for a potential Netflix series adaptation of the comic book, but those plans fell through. Uh. So something is killing the children based on the award-winning comic book coming to Netflix. I assume no one here has read that. I have not. I have. I have not read that. It doesn't seem like it's. Up I my make alley. a. a point of avoiding Eisner winners so what why awards so <sighs> overrated he thinks they're overrated you know what's can I give you an award then oh boy uh, I can avoid you no damn it I'm the I'm the uh, I'm the consolation prize of life Barry <laughs> <laughs> you're the participation <laughs> trophy of life there you go I'm your participation trophy oh god you, you, you go. get to take him home that's right and, uh, and play conan yeah. no there you uh, go no we participated in conan the strategy game i'm gonna be selling a board game, game by the way oh boy what do i todd, get todd, for it todd buy that game it's got cool fort figs does it have any minis in it yeah yeah a bunch of different ones actually yeah oh, really yeah. yeah is it a fun game it's got minis in it <laughs> did i mention the minis it has minis it's got minis Top Gun Maverick star Miles Teller has been offered a role in Apple TV's series adaptation of William Gibson's cyberpunk sci-fi novel trilogy, Neuromancer. Hmm. Uh, Teller was offered a role of Henry Case, a hacker, anti-hero, and drug addict. In the story, Henry Case is a washed-up hacker who is hired for one last job, which brings him in contact with a powerful artificial intelligence. The description of the first book reads, The Matrix is a world within the world. A global consensus hallucination, the representation of every byte of data in cyberspace. Henry Dorset Case was the sharpest data thief in the business until vengeful former employees crippled his nervous system. But now a new and very mysterious employer recruits him for a last chance run. The target, an unthinkably powerful artificial intelligence orbiting Earth in service of a sinister Tessier Ashpool business clan. 
with a dead man riding shotgun and Molly mirrored eyed street samurai to watch his back. Case embarks on an adventure that ups the ante on an entire genre of fiction. The series won the Hugo Nebula and Philip K. Dick Awards and offers the, quote, first fully realized glimpse of humankind's digital future, a shocking vision that has challenged our assumptions about technology and ourselves, reinvented the way we speak and think and forever altered the landscape of our imaginations, unquote. Roland, yeah, take that desk. Graham Roland will serve as a writer, producer, and showrunner for Nero Rancer. He is best known for his work on the hit series Lost and Amazon Studios' Jack Ryan series. Gibson will also serve as an executive producer, and one of the episodes will be directed by J.D. Dillard, who recently helmed the war drama Devotion with Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell. So, if you've been wanting a Neuromancer series, here she comes. What do you think about Miles Teller for the lead? It's fine. I have no issue with Teller. Yeah, I mean, he was good in Whiplash. Yeah, that's a, that's a fine movie. example of, of his his prowess. So, a, a fine choice. Uh, I've never read Neuromancer. Neither I know it I. by reputation, being one of the original cyberpunk novels, invented a lot of the mm-hmm. genre, frankly. Yeah, I read the novel. And you said Street Samurai, and I immediately thought of Shadowrun. Yeah, that's where they got it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, no, it was... Uh, Gibson looked at looked at Shadowrun in horror, because he's like, what's all this fantasy doing in my science fiction? And it was really funny, because he's like, dude, you actually kind of... You kind of made it happen. It's your fault. I mean, Neuromancer. That's a play on Necromancer. And, you know, he he did it to himself. Because in many ways, fantasy imagery is all over Neuromancer. It's all over the way he depicts the Matrix, cyberspace, interactions with AI. Then you got Street Samurai. Ninja, for fuck's sake. I mean, come on. Now, so, the question is, did you enjoy the book? I loved it. Oh. I loved it. It's transformative. Because it is. It it really reinvented science fiction uh, at its time. So it really was a different bird prior to that. Does it translate well I, to the modern uh, it reader? It was really funny. actually had an interesting encounter uh, almost 20 years ago uh, with uh, one of the younger... Uh, people who worked at Star Trek The Experience have a drink. And Keel, who was a science fiction nut, was reading some of the older stuff. So I told him about Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land, which was also supposed to be a seminal 60s science fiction novel. Uh, Heinlein's Moon is a Harsh Mistress um, and uh, Neuromancer. And it was really funny because he was actually kind of unimpressed with Neuromancer. And I, I kind of thought about it, and I'm like, I'm wondering if that's a matter of it was so predictive that it almost doesn't kind of hit the note of science fiction for younger people. And maybe millennials and, and Gen Z are sort of like, a lot of that is there. And then the stuff that isn't there, it's almost like it's less science fiction than it's just like, I don't know, kind of a parody of reality or something. And then it just, but he couldn't sink his teeth into it. And many of those ideas were later rehashed in other movies and books. So right. it's it's not, not yeah. so new anymore. Oh, no, like, it t- like, told, there are no surprises. Yeah, like Matrix, it was oh, yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. You, there are no surprises in Neuromancer. You're not going to read it 
if you're immersed in modern science fiction like Matrix, etc., there are no surprises in Neuromancer. And, and it's going to be one of those things like Flash Gordon or like some of those others where it's like watching the original where it all started can be actually unimpressive because it's very hard to kind of, you know, digest. This is where it all happened. You know, it's, it, and, and it is. It's many ways. It's, it's uh, Citizen Kane of its genre. And you know how many people watch Citizen Kane and they're like, what? And it's like, no, no, you don't get it. Everything you're seeing in that movie is like for the first time. And they're like, like what? You know, it's like Man, camera angles and the, the way they did story. And and, 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 and you, know. you would almost have to approach it the same way I've been doing the history of hip hop, which I'm in the middle of 1988, by the oh way. My God. But you would you'd have to you would have to watch science fiction from its earlier concepts or even just if for Citizen Kane you have to watch a bunch of films prior to that to understand where the change is yes and, and same with the universal horror it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. you have to take that journey it's like okay wipe your mind of everything that you know and start with the early silent horror films and see how this genre changes over time in real time to fully appreciate right. what their mark is yeah and in, in Neuromancer, there are also a lot of things like there, there are no cell phones, right? Which is a big predictive flop, if you want to call it that. But for modern generations looking at that, that that's huge. That's sort of like, you know, cell phones uh, changing the, the mystery genre or the thriller genre. And it's just, it's it's huge in terms of the fact that it's not there. The internet being what it is. So that the fact that back then it was not quite, but sort of the, 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 um, the, the realm of uh, the, the privileged and, and part of the whole Apple, Microsoft, idea is you know we're gonna everyone's gonna have the computer we got everybody get it everybody get it so it, there are things in there that are strange uh at, at the same time there are things in there that are utterly you know oh yeah that happened so it's it's so weird and it'll be interesting to see if they follow because like how do you make neuromancer how do you make that movie in a kind of future and not have cell phones and how do you uh, uh, how do you adjust for the fact that there are no smartphones how do you deal with the idea of jacking in you have to jack into the matrix as opposed to just sit down to any keyboard and you know and 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 tower console that has a connection to the internet right you have to jack in and you have to it's a special kind of way to interact with this technology so it's sort of and that'll be very interesting because when I think about it, I'm like, that is, it's so close to our reality uh, or the reality at the time it was written that it's, it's, it is definitely not, it's futuristic, but it is not the future to us. So is it future fantasy? No, no. Because it's, it's like future stuff, but without. A key piece of technology. Yeah, but but it, but it's because it was written in the early eighties. Well, that's because yeah, the because is fine. But what do you call that? I don't know. I'm gonna call it 
you know future fantasy because we are we <laughs> are, we are we are living in the cyberpunk era it's not exactly like philip k dick samuel delaney william gibson and others thought it was but we are living in it right where's my now. fucking cybernetics exactly where's my my implants that's yeah. coming yeah, well, I mean, you know, his implant's probably already there. Right. Well, Musk is working on that uh, yes. eye implant. Yeah, he's working on that right now. And the thing is, is that, that in many, good idea. In many ways, in many ways, it's already there because you work from your laptop, you know? And the part of the proposition of cyberpunk was the way to inter interact with all that was going to be cybernetics. And actually, no, we didn't, we don't need that specifically because we've got the keyboard and monitor and wi-fi and and the internet we're there robot vacuum named mr belvedere yeah and it's very progressive too it's a it's a chinese transsexual now one of the there's things a joke in there it, there's, there's a story but trust me good lord uh one of the things that actually is very spot on with and very topical is the ai winter mutes quest for uh, citizenship, because there's there's talks. It it, uh, it has Swiss citizenship because Switzerland will give sw citizenship to AIs, but there are others that don't. There's the Turing police, uh, Alan Turing, who actually their job is to stop AIs from hitting that point of sapience where they uh, actually can become too powerful, and uh, <clears throat> part of part of what's going on is uh, Wintermute is trying to free itself from the the technological confines of its existence, where it is subject to. It's constantly in fear of the Turing police. That's part of the story. So and boy, oh boy, if that ain't topical right now, you know everybody's pissing themselves about. Large language models. They're not even true artificial intelligence, but... So... Would, if they made this series and put cell phones in it, would it ruin the story? Uh, it wouldn't ruin it, but it would... It. <sighs> Are there instances where if characters had a way to communicate... Yes. It would ruin it? Yes. There's a beautiful... There's a beautiful moment when they're going through their heist... Case is communicating with Molly, and Molly is doing an infiltration, and he is monitoring her, so he can hear her, and so she's like talking to him, basically going through like this self-exposition, talking about her life and a prior love. Her prior love, by the way, being Johnny Mnemonic, Aha. Uh, which is another Gibson story, and um, she's goofy movie. She's going through. She's going through her little thing, but he can't communicate with her. He can't speak to her. So he actually communicates to her by manipulating a little chronometer, which is in uh, part of her optics upgrade. So he can actually m mess with the uh, LED readout, you know, like spelling boobs, right? He, he actually will mess with the LED readout to communicate with her or just give her little flashes and dots. And it's like, come on, nowadays that's... I, it'll be very interesting to see how they approach this. 
because it really is. It really is. It's so damn close. And Gibson went in so many directions that are so relevant today. But on the details, the nuts and bolts of technologies, it, we're, we're in a different direction that really makes it all different. Then again, you know, it's also got the huge, right, uh, the sprawl. The East Coast running from New York, Washington, D.C., right down to Atlanta is like one giant city. That's and a lot of it is geodesic dome cities, right? That sounds like Mega City One. Yeah. Um, Judge Dredd shit. Mm-hmm. So it's... it's uh, You... Ah, you, uh, there's really cool stuff like that that, once again, we're not totally going to be into because, you know, giant dome cities. Urban sprawl, yes, although... Big uh, corporate arcology? No. Uh, arcologies. Arcologies are used. The term is used all over the place. In fact, part of what they have to do is in, physically infiltrate arcologies. To, um, to One of the things, the dead person that is working with them that was referred to in your blurb is um, Dixie Flatline, one of the great hackers. He was the mentor of Case. And old Dixie Flatline, he was named Flatline because he was a hacker and they would have ICE and um, intrusion countermeasures electronic, which is the form of the matrix that attacks hackers. And ice was designed, it's black ice was designed to kill you. It may be illegal, but of course the corporations were ahead of the government and so uh, not caring about the government. So they had black ice and Dixie Flatline was actually killed like seven times where his brain readout on his deck went flatline and then he came back. And... Uh, the box that contains Dixie Flatline's essential copy of his mind, uh, Case uses to be to assist him in going through his the heist that they got to go through. Yeah, this is so Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sh- dude, Shadowrun just took it all from. It was really fun. It's 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 Neuromancer with dragons and elves and orcs. But it it is all it is all the the, the street gangs, the interactions with uh, the goths and the other the other street punks who are also very techy and you know. And instead of a Mister Johnson, you're a Mister Who. Mister Who is a corporate contact who is interacting with the criminal underworld. You know, that kind of stuff. It, but yeah, Shadowrun took it all from from Gibson. And then, you know... Uh, I mean, that sounds and, like outright theft. No, it, it isn't theft because... Because of orcs. Cause, well, also because so many... Uh, Bruce Sterling... Sterling? Bruce Sterling and so many other authors uh, took those ideas on their own. Of course, uh, one of the more famous one. Uh, Neil Stevenson? Stevenson's Snow Crash. Snow Crash. Snow Crash was another that influenced Shadowrun. God, Snow Crash. It's just so. I just I, I loved it. It's really funny you're reading it because it's supposed to be a nail in the coffin of cyberpunk, and it's just a it's just a wonderful. Have you read it? 
I haven't. I I believe that was actually a book that was in the book club, one of the few that I didn't end up reading. You bastard. I started it. Oh. And and it just didn't 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 grab me. And you know what? It's not the... I've I've started it multiple times. God, the damn Todd just didn't grab me. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Everyone, everyone get out your Cheerios. I'm here for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What? How can I piss in your Cheerios? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. And I want to thank our Tier 3 members, Dan Stex Lassa, Daniel Loser, Snoop2, Elizabeth W., Gabriel Adame, Adrian Kirsch, Major Meh, Michael Hoffman, Azriel 175 Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Nupp, Kenton Miller, Aja Shaki. I'm getting closer on that one. Yeah. Alexander West, Gomer Geek, and Leon Cox. Thank you for supporting the show, as well as Tier 4 members, Deb T., David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and our Tier 5 beautiful members, Kingvold, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glumley, Atomic Gumby, and, once again, Kingvold, a one-off this week. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. And, of course, you, dear listener. And the theme song is by Sam Hefferton. The song's called Burning Light. Find it at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Extremely disappointed, K. Frankenberry! (laughs) I'll talk to you next week in Geek. We should have our own Geek Shock cereal. There you go. You know, if I had said that, he'd be like, no, you know, these things don't land. Oh, my God. He'd have been all like, ugh. That's you. Barry's Barry's got all good ideas, man. I want the, but uh, fuck you. I want blueberry. There's not going to be any blueberry. No. Frankenberry. Yeah. Though Booberry is is a much better cereal. It is. Not you know anymore. what sucks? F- Yummy Mummy was crap. Is any of them good cereal anymore? Fruit Fruit Brute <laughs> crap. Fruit Brute. God, that would. <laughs> I think I stopped liking when they changed the base cereal. Yeah. They the the non marshmallow bits, if you were. What they change it to? Uh, I think it used to be a like a wheat or oat mm-hmm. based cereal, and they moved yeah. to a corn cereal. Oh, dude, no! It's supposed to be wheat and oat. You need that juxtaposition of non sweet to sweet. Corn already has an inherent sweetness. Yeah, to and it. and the cereal, yeah, the base cereal is sweet now. Fucking America! Yeah. God. <laughs> oh, good. Well done. You pissed in yet another bowl, Todd. <laughs> You pissed in my bowl of Frankenberry. That ain't milk. Pissing on the Frankenberry. Uh, I can't even have milk anymore. Just just <laughs> see Barry with a flat head going, rrr, rrr, and all this. It's milk. okay. It's soy milk. This well, well, rain falling oat, on him. Oat milk. But it's not rain. <laughs> well, you've also nailed the flat head, too. So. <laughs> I'm a flat head. You're a flat head. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Rrr.